Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Marketing Agency Show, where we explore solutions to the biggest challenges faced by agencies. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for the Marketing Agency Show, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Brooke Sellis, and this is the show for agency owners and agency marketers. We explore the topics that no one else is talking about, so pull up a seat to the table and let's have a great conversation. Today, I'll be joined by Sean Albertson, who has a really cool way of thinking about customer experience inside of your agency. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's guest, Sean. To help explore the frontier of working at and growing agencies, here is this week's expert guide. Hey, everybody. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Sean Albertson. Sean is an internationally recognized thought leader, speaker, and transformational coach, transformational coach, I should say, with 20 plus years leading customer experience initiatives across service, marketing, product, and technology. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brooke, for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Really excited to chat with you, especially because, as you already know, I'm a huge CX person. I love CX, specifically digital customer experience. So I'm very excited about this chat today. I'll try not to geek out too much and we'll just enjoy the show. Hey, let's geek out together if we have to. Let's do it. Awesome. I'm down if you are. So first questions first. What made you decide to start your own company? Yeah, I mean, you kind of in the intro, I've done CX across organizations from all different parts of the organization and therefore kind of seeing how everybody looks at experience differently. And one of the challenges I found over my career is it was really hard to get the overall picture and the overall strategy around experience because there's CX, there's UX, there's BX brand experience. I'm I'm learning every day new (laughs) new letters in front of the X, like HX, human experience. I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. And and I really struggled because I was learning little bits over time. And so what I just decided was, you know, there's a need. And, you know, I had the opportunity to write a book and really, you know, launch this business to help organizations understand how all of this fits together, because that's the key. It has to fit together. And there are a bunch of little bits of parts that have to work right for the experience to be good and not to be sabotaged. So that's really why I wanted to do it is take this opportunity to share my 20 years of experience of what I've learned from different parts of the organization and and help others, you know, really be more successful, especially now with technology changing every day. And and like you were talking, digital itself is growing and then AI and everything else is now's the time. Now is the time. The time was yesterday, but today you better get on it. (laughs) Exactly. So tell us what kinds of clients do you typically help? I mean, we talked about some of that in the intro, but give us a little bit more context on the type of clients you serve and helping them with all the X's. I really work with Anybody who's got a customer. Okay, well, that's a little glib. So <laughs> let me go a little deeper than that. So ultimately, I do specialize in anywhere where the business has a relationship with that customer. 
where there's either a, a subscription service or an ongoing support, et cetera. That's where my career has been is always in that. Not as much for the, you know, where you don't know who the client is or maybe even retail, but I really specialize in those relationships and the relationships between business and consumer to really drive that. And so having worked with financial services and, and banking, financial services and insurance, having worked with telecommunications and across all those technology groups, that's really where I, I focus. But, uh, but again, I think it's exciting because really these lessons are good for anyone. And I have done the same thing in B2C that I have to B2B, to B2B2C, et cetera. So the, the great news is it's really good for anyone just takes a little bit extra work if you don't really know who your consumer or your customer is. I love that you said B2B and B2C because a lot of times when I'm talking to people about digital CX, they'll be like, oh, we're B2B. It's not the same. And I'm like, mm, y- yes, it is. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's not It's not the same, but it's so similar. You can't discount it. You can't say, oh, well, we're, we don't have to think about it that way. You You do handle things differently in B2B. But because it's the different nature, but you still have to focus on the same things and the same experiences and the same opportunities. Yeah, it's still a human buying on the other end of that life cycle. So let's talk about the four rocks methodology that you created and tell us more about it and how it really helps you assess the approachability of other of your clients. Right. So like how good are they at CX? How does this help you discover that? Absolutely. Well, there's so many different ways to measure experiences and ways to, you know, really go after it because you can go from try to make things better if they're bad to try to make things great. And there's all of these layers and and different speakers and different people talk about, oh, you've got to delight your customers. You got to create amazing experiences or you've got to be easy. And I, I fall a little bit into the camp of focusing on ease or effort. There was a book that came out that I love and I actually know most of the authors of it, but the Effortless Experience came back in 2013, and it talks a lot about how the challenge is when, when things are hard, clients will be disloyal. And it, it really shows that, you know, you can try to delight all you want, but if you've got challenges or broken processes or poorly trained agents, et cetera, you're not going to do it. And, and that's where ultimately you're going to potentially sacrifice all that front of funnel with some, you know, a leaky bucket out the back (laughs) if you're, if you're not taking care of it. So I really focus on that. And that's really where rocks comes from. So, you know, I translate that to, you know, think about, you know, the customer journey is like a river. And we like to think that we in business are designing a nice, straight, even smooth ride, you know, down the river. The reality is it's whitewater rapids, it's bouncing around and, And that's what it is because customers are running into our rocks. And so that's where I kind of the I'm here in Colorado. And so, you know, the mountains, I live and breathe it. And it just it really fits for me to say, you know, we got to find and remove the most important rocks from the customer journey. And that's where this all was really was founded from. Now, are there four specific rocks that you find are typically the rocks that get in the way of that stream streamified, <laughs> beautiful, smoothing river experience? Absolutely. Well, and, you know, I started doing research. I did research on rivers. Why do they do this? Why do they do that? And, you know, learned all about erosion and again, geek out, right? You got to do that sort of stuff. But I started looking at it and say, you know, there's three types of rocks on earth, right? You've got sedimentary rocks, the layered rocks, you got metamorphic rocks that are rocks that change like coal to diamonds. You know, you've got igneous rocks that are basically like lava, fire. And I I went through that. I'm like, well, layers, sedimentary, silos, 
layers of bureaucracy, layers of challenges. Just time creates layers of, of issues. Metamorphic business change creates rocks. It absolutely creates rocks. Fires. If I, I was in telco, outages. Oh my goodness. Talk about, you know, an avalanche of rocks when, you know, when you have a major outage, you know, or things of that nature. And I was looking at it, I was like, well, that's three. And then I thought, well, what about, wait, there's a fourth one that isn't on earth. It's from outside meteoric rocks, meteors that come in from the outside. And Hey, the biggest meteoric rock for most businesses in the, you know, in gosh, forever is COVID. It came from, you know, when it was an outside. So it's, that's really where the four came from is kind of thinking about it in nature and in business that this connection between it to say, wow, these types of rocks on earth and, and of course meteors are a lot like the types of rocks we have. And so now if we think about them that way, now we know, well, how do we change the strata? or uh, mitigate that issue of those layers? How do we mitigate change when, we, you know, to being a rock for our customers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really thinking about that and it really helped kind of put this together into a package. I love it. Well, so tell me how you integrated this methodology. I'm assuming you did anyhow into your own business. Like, so how do you use it in your workflow and the way you work? And obviously I want to know the nitty gritty. So what kind of challenges or resistance did you see or face when you started to implement this? Well, I, absolutely. And, and I did it when I was in the corporate role before I launched my own business several times. And one of the biggest challenges for most organizations, it's a big part of what I talk about in my keynotes at conferences or with businesses about the silos that businesses have. Because again, the customer journey, think about it as yourself as a consumer. If I want something and I go online and yeah, maybe it's hard to find, but I get it done online. That's one thing. Or I call and I get my answer. That's another thing. The rocks in the journey happen between that. It's the lack of connectivity between I'm on the mobile app and I try to do something and I'm on the website and then I try to chat bot. That didn't work. And then I try to chat with an agent or call the agent or then I get transferred around. That journey is what frustrates all of us. Well, the reality is in business, everybody in the organization owns a different part of that. Businesses are designed in silos, you know, where a channel has a channel owner and they're usually actually fighting for more <laughs> for some of the money and funding from the other channel leads to try to get their priorities done. And it's actually opposite of the way businesses work. So a lot of that pushback was, wait a second, you mean we're going to have to focus on working together and not, but then I don't know, have control. Well, no. But what you need to do is you need to let go of some of that territory or that control and really make sure you understand the value of working across. Because the second the mindset shifts to thinking less about your channel and more at a journey by journey level, now you can think about, okay, if this is not working online, they're going to call. What's that transition experience? Does the agent know why they're calling before they even pick up the phone? Thinking about it that way, now you're thinking about and you're thinking ahead of where those rocks might be in the planning stage within that. And so it's a very different model of journey mapping. It's more kind of journey orchestration and things like that. Those are some of the terms that are being used now, but it really talks about working together. And But it's not easy because businesses, they, you know, they want their peace because they know what they can control. But now they have to kind of sacrifice a little bit of that to work together. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In my book, I talk about rocks, but I call them potholes, right? <laughs> like, there you go. Similar. That, the lack of a rock, right? <laughs> right, right. It's just like a pothole in the journey. And I say on the path to purchase. So if we're thinking about a path, it's not a straight line. There's potholes that you have to fix. And what's funny is I love what you just said, because that's what I say in the book. Like, 
Sometimes what we find through digital media or on social is that, you know, your customers experiencing a bug with an app, you know, and if they're experiencing that bug, we could tell them what the workaround is or we could tell them like, hey, it's a bug. But really, we should go to the developers and smooth out that pothole because you're saving time and money if you don't have to keep answering these questions or dealing with these rocks over and over and over again. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, the biggest challenge, I think, for a lot of the organizations, it's not that they don't know they've got problems. I mean, every company knows they've got problems from surveys or complaints or whatever else. They know there are issues or even internal feedback. The challenge for most organizations is where do they put their money? Where do they focus most? So in your analogy, which potholes do they fix first? Because, you know, there are going to be some potholes that are just an inconvenient bump. There are going to be others that do, you know, pop a tire and you have to pull over. So you're not <laughs> yeah. even able to, you know, go further anymore. Yeah. So you got to know how to do that. And that's part of where this rock strategy and my seven step process really helps businesses think through what that looks like using data to make the most important decisions about which rocks to handle before they go to others. And it really helps them uh, ultimately put a data decision around what is sometimes often done in business when experienced gut feeling. And it's like, well, the gut feeling isn't great when you want to go to an executive and say, I need you to fund quite a bit of money. You got to have data. You got to say, well, this is what's happening. This is the impact. But I agree with you and what you talked about. ROI isn't just about making the experience better. The experience being better means less callbacks, less you know, return calls, things of that nature. And there's a big part of that that it, you can create loyalty by making things easier, because if things are hard, you create disloyalty. But you can really, you know, quantify that. In fact, let me let me pull on that thread just a little bit more. I talked about the effortless experience when they did the research in 2013 and published the book. Something that's hard in the customer effort score, the customer was four times more likely to have disloyal behavior. Hard equals disloyal. Four times more likely to either attrit, have negative revenue, et cetera, et cetera. What I'm finding now, skip ahead a little bit five times more likely because it's growing. The The impact is really around, you know, this little <laughs> fun thing right here, right? This, this, this our life, if it's not easy, I'm out. I'm going to someone else. My, I, I got a funny story. My son, my youngest son, he's in college. He's a freshman. He tried to do 100% of his college application on his cell phone. <laughs> and, and when it didn't work, he was like, well, Maybe I don't want to go to that school if they if it's not easy to do on the cell phone. Now, we obviously talked him through that and said, hey, every school is going to be bad because we want you to go to college. Universities are notoriously behind. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But the next generations are even more about ease. And if again, if something's not easy, they're out. Eighty percent of customers say the experience with your company is as important as products or services you sell. Now, think about that. 80% say the experience is as important. Way long gone are the days that a great product can make up for bad experiences. That's not even around anymore. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I still don't understand why we're even having to say things like this, right? Like people should know this by now. But I want to talk more about red flags since we're on the topic. What are some key indicators within your methodology, right? So you said hard is usually equaling to some sort of like disloyalty moment or a red flag that you might find. So how do you like if for the people who are listening or watching, what are some, you know, a couple of those red flags or hard places you feel like they should look to see if they're 
is a rock there. Sure. Absolutely. When I consult with companies, I ask those kind of questions. Say, what do you look at today? A lot of times the answer is surveys. We, we run surveys and this is what we look at. Maybe they use the net promoter score from a loyalty perspective. They use overall satisfaction or customer satisfaction or customer satisfaction index, or maybe they use the customer effort score. Surveys is one of those components. It will absolutely find a lot of these challenges if you ask the right questions. But you're only getting a sample of those interactions. The people who want to give you a survey, and it's usually a, a smaller percentage of those who even try to survey. So my program actually goes back to my days running call centers from an operational standpoint as well. So for instance, operational metrics, metrics that we look at in, for instance, contact centers or in businesses all the time, they can also be those red flags. Time on page from a digital perspective being too long, you know, from that perspective, obviously containment, digital containment, being, being able to make sure they finish the process. Obviously, those are more operational metrics used by the digital teams, but they talk to experience as well. Handle time in the contact center, a certain journey, a certain call type that takes way too long or has way too much hold time probably is pointing towards lack of training, something that needs to be fixed there. So there's all these operational metrics that you're already looking at. But if you're looking at them in, in a guide of I'm using this to, only to coach agents, you're missing the opportunity to actually use it to think about the customer experience. So bringing surveys together with operational metrics now add all this new technology. And, and some of this isn't brand new, but like text analytics going through all that unstructured data, whether it's transcripts, survey comments, you know, chat or phone transcripts, of course, survey comments, as well as CRM notes. If, you, if your agents are taking notes, I mean, any of that text now can be used. And when connected to the raw data, give you even more information about the experience and what happened. Things like you can use AI to identify potential sentiment or emotion. Because what I found too in that prediction of disloyal, high effort with negative emotion, double the impact on disloyalty. Because again, if you think about it as a consumer, if I have to call because I have to reset, you know, I'm a little frustrated, but I'm not like emotional. You mess up something with my money <laughs> and I'm not only, you know, angry because it's hard, I'm also angry, right? And now that I'm, I'm almost 10 times more likely to, to be disloyal because of that event. And so you have to really think through that. And then journey analytics is really kind of that fourth big component, which is today, and a lot of people misinterpret this with journey mapping. Journey mapping is kind of writing down, here's the journey, thinking through it. Journey analytics is literally stitching together the data so that you can see when someone was on the app, then they went to the website, then they went to the chat bot, then they went to chat, then they called us three times. That's journey analytics, which is actually looking at all that raw data. So you put all that technology together and use AI to sift through the mass amounts of data you're talking about. Now you can really uncover cohorts as well as different events that are driving the highest likelihood. And then guess what? You have surveys that are giving you a, a validity. You can use that same AI to do predicted customer effort score on the rest of the interactions. So now you're using and you're you're not just looking at the sample piece, you're looking at all of that data and using it to drive, again, data driven decisions about where to focus most. Love it so much. And I think AI is going to be a huge help for a lot of CX initiatives. So I want you to like you just kind of explained the process so well. Now, can you paint the outcome picture for us? So 
maybe there's a specific experience or a certain client that you worked with where you kind of helped them, you know, uh, implement this methodology. And then what happened? Like paint that picture for us. What were some of the outcomes of implementing this methodology within one of your clients or customers? Well, absolutely. Well, to get an outcome, you got to do something with it. (laughs) So if you find rocks and then you're like, huh, there are rocks there. All right. I don't know what we're going to do about it, but you know, then that's not going to waste the time. You know, you, you've got to be prepared to do something about it. And that's where going back to this cross-functional team approach of working with each other to say, all right, when, when this hands off, we need to make this improvement. So I, I have one pretty good story that I, I tell. It was one of the best examples we have, but we, we were doing, and strangely enough, I call it the rocks report, but we do this rocks report. I talk about it in the book and it's basically a heat map that kind of shows you where are the hotspots and you, you run it weekly. Some groups run it monthly, but, and then you can see, you can kind of see where are things going in it. Things move around a little bit, but all of a sudden, one one report, a specific activity jumped 10 points out of nowhere. It was usually around in the teens, and then all of a sudden, it was number two with a bullet as far as high effort. And it jumped, again, going back to it, it jumped in customer effort score uh, from the surveys. It jumped in lack of resolution that we were tracking via the, the call cues, and was that customer calling back off? And it jumped in, handle time jumped. And then ultimately, you know, so it, it hit in a couple of these metrics. So now not only did we know that this activity jumped, we knew where it jumped. So we could kind of look at, all right, and oh, the other one was web issues. So we were using text analytics on the phone transcripts to say, when someone talks about an issue with the website, flag it. So that metric we created as well. And so all of a sudden we knew, all right, the website has called a lack of resolution issue that's making things harder. Wow, let's look at it. And almost immediately we could look at it through the data. And then even with a quick conversation with uh, the QA team that listens to calls, they were like, oh, well, yeah, it's, it's not happening a lot, but that, you know, when customers are clicking on this link that they were emailed, it, it's breaking the process. What we found out very quickly was the marketing team had said, all right, we're going to make things better and easier. We're going to move this email up by two days so that it's faster. And then the client will get the email, they'll click the link and they'll be happy. Well, the problem was they moved it up so early, the link didn't work yet. Oh, no. So the customer got the email, click the link, oh, click the link, and then it broke the process. So it didn't just, they didn't just have to, you know, call and get, they had to start over from scratch. And so it was, it's a great example of just how, you know, different groups working together. Now, the reality was if we hadn't had the reporting, because it wasn't a really frequent contact type, it may have been weeks that before the call center would have really generated that feedback. Hey, we're seeing this. So the reporting was able like spotlight right here, focus here. And we were able to basically mitigate it within days. Oh, that's amazing. Well, so tell me this, because now I'm curious what happens. Okay. So you found this problem. You're, you're telling, you know, your client what the marketing team did (laughs) and the marketing team is probably feeling a little sheepish how does that look like, right? The marketing team is probably not very happy with you, but at the end of the day, the client is. So like, how do you mitigate that line of like the marketing team's not your best friend right now, but the client's like, oh my gosh, thank God you found this. Like, what does that look like? Well, that can be different depending on your culture, et cetera. What we did though, in advance of this, we were already up and running on what, again, we, we created these rocks teams and they were cross-functional teams. We had representation from web. We had representation from call center, you know, et cetera. We had a pretty good cross-functional team. So they were already engaged. And so it wasn't as much the ability because of that wasn't a 
blame or it was more of a problem solving, let's get this fixed. And that already having that collaboration between the groups meant that it wasn't a, oh, it, you know, it was more about, yeah, my bad. We, you know, it, we, we thought we were doing something good, but it, it didn't work. So that way it kept it from being kind of because we had already kind of broken those silos down. It kept from being a little bit of a argument between the departments, more a matter of, well, we're always trying to make things better. We learned, let's, you know, instead of two days forward, let's just move it one day forward and it'll work, you know? And, and so that was, it created more of that culture of collaboration and, and seeking opportunities together. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Awesome. So tell me this. It sounds to me like the rocks themselves, instead of being equal, could be bigger or smaller, depending on the situation and even seasonality or just time, right? So how do you assign, I mean, I don't know if you assign a number or like a, a like low, medium, high priority to each rock that you have. Like how do you weight the rocks that a client have throughout the process without like messing up the, doing the email two days early and messing the whole thing up? Again, that's going to be based on how the business wants to work too. We customize that kind of program with each business based on how they want to, to, to look at that. Because some businesses or industries have a little bit more of a focus on a certain set of metrics being more predictive. But that's the key. We study the data to say which of these other metrics predict high effort. Now, the debate often comes down to is actually size versus impact. That is almost always the biggest debate. Now, most businesses naturally want to say, I want to focus on the biggest call drivers or the biggest contact drivers to you know, eliminate that cost. That, I mean, that's just standard business protocol, especially in contact centers because of the expense of, of that channel. But the challenge often what I find and, and what our reporting and analytics shows is the higher volume of the activity, the easier it is usually because it's well-practiced by the agents. There's a lot of focus on self-service and creating solutions. And, you know, it's just, it's gotten a lot more attention. What's really interesting is when you look at the lowest, some of the lowest volume activities, not always, but some of the lowest volume activities, they actually predict the highest amount of churn. So there's this balance that says, yes, you can get a lot of bang for your buck if you focus on a big rock, but it, sometimes it's the small, sharp rock, maybe the one stuck in the shoe that creates a lot more pain and a lot more uh, likelihood that the customer is going to leave. So there's always this balance. But the key is finding multiple people to partner with in the business. Because even if I find a small rock and maybe that small rock has, you know, flags like hold time is bad, transfers are bad, handle time is bad because it's not practiced very often. I can go to a training team and say, we need to really put some new effort into training on this. We need to do it now. And so you don't have to prioritize every rock at just a macro scale. You can work based on why those rocks are occurring with the different groups to say, hey, this is something you can do. It's not number one you know, on the overall list, but it's, it's your number one that you can impact very quickly. And it gives that opportunity where it doesn't just have to be top down executive saying, all right, here's our top three. It can be 
here are our top three from an overall cross-channel perspective. And then here are about a dozen others or at least half a dozen others that we can make a positive impact to. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, And then as I'm listening, I'm thinking like, gosh, what you do is so complimentary to what we do, right? We don't do anything in the call center. We are the call center on social, if you want to call it that. So I'm wondering, you must have come across other marketers or agency owners who either have adopted your strategy or methodology or combined forces with you to help their clients. Like, what does that landscape look like for you? And my time spent in marketing in a CX role. And, you know, ultimately it was an X role because I was doing CX and UX all from marketing. That was one of the best opportunities to really tackle the holistic view because, of course, you know, you want to bring in the funnel. You want to do that. But a lot of marketing agencies and companies, you know, they know and they understand, hey, I can fill up the top of the tunnel. But if I got a leaky bucket or if my client, you know, as an agency that, that I work with. So a big part of this is even from that agency level is thinking. And having the dialogue with, you know, the business, the customer as your your business customer and saying, what are you doing over there? Let, let's make sure we're looking at it in a more holistic way, not just at funnel and lead generation and, and so forth. Let's also look at kind of that back end. And, and so my role ended up being kind of a, a marketing retention role for the organization. And I worked side by side with my peers who were, you know, filling the funnel. And I was focused on making sure we weren't losing them out the back door. And it was really a way to do that. And whether that's even just getting your clients and your businesses from an agency standpoint to think about it, talk about it, and maybe find someone to help them with that if they're not already engaged. I, of course, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but, you know, anyone who, you know, to find someone to do that. Because, again, it just like the experience takes everyone, success of the business takes everyone. You know, you can't have a, you know, a piece of that cog not working correctly. Otherwise you may be sacrificing a lot of your value by not having something work as effectively on on the back end, if you will. Yeah. It's funny. You'll have to, if you're listening or watching, go back and listen to the episode, which came out just a few before this one with Chris Carr. And he talks about the leaky bucket and it's such a great analogy, right? Because a lot of times in businesses, we find as consultants who go in and help with different things that they keep pouring water into this bucket. But if the bucket's full of holes, like it doesn't matter how much water you put in there, you really need to focus on fixing the holes. Then you can pour some more water in, right? Otherwise, you're just kind of like chasing your tail over and over in this like cul-de-sac of awfulness. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so tell me this. How has the Four Rocks methodology helped you as a business owner, right? How has it impacted your growth? How has it impacted your own operations so that agency owners or marketers who are listening can understand like, hey, if I start to think with this mindset or if I start to if I buy the book and implement this or if I talk to Sean and implement this, what do you think the outcome will be for them or significant outcome, I guess I should say, would be for them? Well, again, so it goes back to kind of B2B, B2C, it's all relevant. So as an agency owner, you've got clients and you're working with clients. And I guarantee you, if you make things hard for the companies that you represent, you will struggle. They will potentially leave you when the contract's up or whatever that is. So for myself, I take everything that I I practice, what I preach, if you will, to say, I try to focus on everything as easy as possible. And I take that personally to say, if I'm going to be like, for instance, doing keynotes at conferences, if I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there and I'm going to do extra stuff to promote the event. I'm going to be there to, you know, if they need me on other panels or gosh, whatever I can do, I'm going to put that in because I don't want there to be difficulty. What's funny, I was selling and, and, and signing my book at an event yesterday in Toronto. I just got home late last night. And what's funny is 
one young lady was trying to use the app to make the payment and and she was struggling. It was, it was actually on her phone, but I was like, oh my gosh, I just created a rock for you. I am so sorry about that. But it's, <laughs> you know, again, you got to just think of it as you got to, you got to be easy because every little thing, you never know which one's going to kind of tip the scale, if you will, for, for a customer. But definitely if you add enough of those effort issues and situations, you will struggle to keep customers. And so it's just a mindset of thinking through things. Of course, my piece of it, you don't have to think about it. Just, you know, there's terms like be frictionless, be effortless, right? You don't have to just think about remove rocks, you know, or whatever, but it's just thinking that way because again, we as people are getting more and more focused on our own time and effort as things get busier or harder or just more complex, you got to focus on ease. And that especially comes true if you have a multi-communication channel with your clients, if you don't, if you kind of share responsibilities of, of working with the companies that, you know, maybe you have someone that's focused on print marketing or someone else on digital marketing or et cetera, well, don't let those groups facilitate the silos that can create the same kind of effort problems, create that environment, even with your own agency. I agree. It's like, we all have to love them or hate them. We all have to try to become Amazon, right? They just made it so friction list. It's like one click and it's at your door like that day or the next day. Right. And I, I know that sounds scary and hard, but if you just keep removing those rocks or filling those potholes or whatever terminology you want to use, you can get to a better frictionist. I would not say like a hundred percent frictionless just because right. Nobody's perfect and problems arise. But yeah, I just, I love that mantra of just like taking the bricks down one by one to make it a little bit easier. It will always be there. And it's ongoing. So you got to be comfortable in this kind of role to look at and just say, this will never end. And if if I'm not part of it, you know, if I move on, the program needs to be so someone else picks it up or diversified enough that it keeps going. Because again, it, it's a constant game of whack-a-mole because everything we do can potentially create other rocks. Like again, change, you know, different bureaucracies, you know, whatever those things are, you know, they're always going to come up and you've got to be prepared for that ongoing process. So if I was a marketer or an agency owner who's just starting out, I'm brand new into the game, into the space. It's scary. You know, I'm in that, like, I'm so scared. I'm so happy I made the leap mode, but I'm also really scared. What would you tell them about the four rocks? Like what one stellar piece of advice would you give to this person to help them feel more confident about moving forward in their new journey? Well, the biggest is thinking through your business model, your contact, you know, how you work with customers and try to predict where those pain points might be. And that's actually fundamentally, especially when you're building. And that's what I'm having to do as I build my new business is I literally have to think through and, and kind of map out and not just map out. Here's how I want things to work. Also put into that. Here's where things could go bad. And at, again, at any point, if you, you know, let's say you decide to you know, run a CRM or probably you know, are running a CRM for your clients, then you got to make sure that that is entirely thought through that process, because what you don't want is for a ticket to go off and then get kind of lost or, or something of that nature. And so you really, really have to spend the time not just thinking about what you want and how you want it to work. You need to absolutely think about where might the rocks show up. And that mindset alone can help you get in front of them. Now, you're not going to remove them all before they happen. You're going to have them. And so then the other side of that is just same kind of perpetual view of saying, all right, when something does happen, how do I go and 
and, and think through that because the, especially for new organizations, you have a, oh gosh, you have such a great opportunity to get in front of more of it than playing whack-a-mole on the back end. And so you, you have that opportunity to think through that. And it's just a little bit of a mind shift, a little bit of a process change. I like to think is, and part of my mantra and my keynote and what I talk to is, Technology is great, right? There's a lot of talk about, well, technology will fix everything. And as a new business, don't fall into that trap. You've got to align your people first. Make sure that your people are aligned, aligned across the overall experience, understanding that. You have to refine your processes. Make sure you're focusing on the right processes and the activities that should be happening and how they happen. And how do you communicate back if something has gone wrong? Then you design your platforms. Then you allow, and, and I use platform for a reason because it's not about, a piece of technology, all of your technology has to work together as a platform again, or you're just creating more silos. And so, you know, people process platforms, really taking that approach and drive the kind of value. And since you're newer in your journey, I think it'd be kind of fun to ask you just from your perspective, you're getting started. What advice would you give for the people who are listening or watching who are also just getting started? Like, what do you wish? What's the one thing you wish you knew before you got started that you could share so that other people might be able to learn? Luckily, I interviewed a whole bunch of people that had done this before me, whether it be authors or speakers or consultants. I mean, I did a, a bunch of due diligence. And from that, again, the biggest thing that I learned and I'm still having to kind of remind myself daily is it's going to take time and you got to hustle. I mean, you got to be ready to do the work and don't get to, I mean, I went from 20 plus years, uh, actually closer to 30 years in corporate America with a very secure paycheck <laughs> and a lot of, you know, a lot of great stuff to like, I'm on my own. And I keep reminding myself, literally, I'm two months into my new business and it's, it's growing, it's moving. I would love it to move better and faster and stronger, but it's really about let the process work because People process platforms. If you have, if they have the processes right and you're doing the right things, you know, give yourself that time to, uh, to be able to, to let it work the way it's supposed to. I think that's great advice because I think too, like even as you become more experienced uh, as an owner, you still let that get in the way, right? You still say, oh, I, I want it to go faster. I want it to be better or whatever. And you forget to celebrate the wins. So I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. Slow down, appreciate what you're doing, make sure your process platforms and people are in place and don't forget to celebrate the wins. Yeah, absolutely. I know people are going to want to find you, connect with you, read your book. So can you tell everybody, how can they find you? How can they find the book? What are you working on? All the good things. Absolutely. So I mean, first off, my website is CX for rocks. So CX, like customer experience, number four, R-O-C-K-S.com. And I've got all sorts of information on there about my programs, my strategy. I've got videos of me speaking. I've got you know, just all sorts. And there's a contact form there and we can connect through that. And you can link out to my YouTube page and all the other social from there as well. So that's a, the best way to, to just kind of learn more about me. There's also a link to my book. My, my book is available for rocks. It's on the sign right here. <laughs> and it, it reduce effort, drive loyalty, transform the customer journey. Because again, it is about this transformation. It's not just about fixing little things. It's transforming how you do business in this context. And it's available on Amazon. Just search for Four Rocks and it'll come up as the first choice there. And I've been blessed with it doing really well overall. I had a couple of recognitions 
in the early days of bestseller and you know as a new release, et cetera. So really have enjoyed that. And and a lot of people give me great feedback. So I hope you love it and I hope you uh, are interested in it. But right now I'm on a roadshow. I'm I'm speaking across on podcasts like this one. So thank you for letting me uh, do this with you, but as well as a lot of different conferences through the end of this year and next year and working one-on-one with companies together. So connect with me on my website and we can uh, talk about consulting with your business or coming in to do speeches or even one to two day workshops on the program with your organization. Then I can help you kind of break the silos and get this uh, get this party started, if you will. Nice. Well, Sean, thank you so much for lending your wisdom and experience for all of us to consume today. I hope you do get a lot of people reading your book because CX is so important. And like I said, if you didn't do it yesterday, you better get to it today. So thank you again. And we'll see you all next time. Brooke, thank you as well. And for everyone watching, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about the show. I'm at Brooke Sellis on Instagram and Twitter. And for fun, make sure you tag at SM Examiner. Also, be sure to check out our other shows, the Social Media Marketing Podcast and the Social Media Marketing Talk Show. This brings us to the end of this week's Marketing Agency Show. We'll catch you next week as we explore the adventures of marketing agency life. The Marketing Agency Show is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.